Tonight on Throwback Thursday as Tune FM celebrates 50 years, 1985. We look back at three events that happened in 1985, including the first ever episode of Neighbours, the location of the wreck of Titanic, and Live Aid concerts. Mama, You're listening to Throwback Thursday, celebrating 50 years, 1985. You certainly are, and it's great to have you here with me on the show here on 106.9 Tune FM. My name is Jake, and I'm your host as per usual, as we're going to go through a few significant events from the year 1985. We're going to be talking about the very first episode of Neighbours. Uh, we are going to be talking about the discovery of the wreck of the Titanic, and we're going to be talking about Live Aid concerts, which I'm sure you would know about if you're a bit of a fan of Queen or other such popular musicians of the time. But we will start off on home soil, uh, talking a little bit about Neighbours. Uh, Neighbours is our most popular television export of all time. Our TV soap opera first broadcast actually on Channel 7 on the 18th of March 1985. But it wasn't very popular when it was on 7. It took off a little bit in Melbourne with uh, actually the show being set in Melbourne. Uh, but in the Sydney market, it underperformed. And so 7 uh, discontinued it by the end of 1985 after 170 episodes. Channel 10 immediately bought it up and would start it again in January of 1986, beginning where the previous series left off. There was a little bit of a rivalry between 7 and 10. Uh, 10 took over production of the show after it had been cancelled. They bought it up immediately. But the new network had to build replica sets because Seven destroyed the originals in an effort to prevent uh, the rival from obtaining them. But they managed to begin screening Neighbours again on the 20th of January 1986 with episode 171. Uh, Neighbours has since become the longest-running drama series in Australian television, and in 2005 it was inducted collectively into the Logie Hall of Fame. Neighbours was created by Australian TV executive Reg Watson. He got the idea for, for Neighbours from his time working on the show Crossroads and watching a soap opera called Coronation Street in Britain. He'd already created some successful Australian-made soap operas, such as The Young Doctors, Prisoner, and Sons and Daughters. Uh, he proposed the idea of making a show that would focus on more realistic stories and portray teens and adults who talk openly to each other and solve their problems together. He also wanted the show to appeal to both Australian and British audiences. And as we know, he was successful. Neighbours is one of our most popular media exports. It's very successful in the UK after it started there in 1986. And it's been running ever since, currently on Channel 5 over there. Several titles were discussed before Neighbours was cho chosen. Um, other potential titles could have been People Like Us, One Way Street, No Through Road and Living Together. Uh, and in the end, it came down to being called Neighbours. 
Uh, reporters from the Herald Sun said that he took his idea to Channel 9, actually, in 1982, but it was rejected. And he then went to Channel 7, who commissioned the show in September 1984. It went into production with an $8 million budget. And the initial premise focused on three families made up of 12 core characters, all living in the famous Ramsey Street, which, just a little uh, side note, Ramsey Street is an actual street in Melbourne. It's all shot uh, at an actual street. The, the residents of this little cul-de-sac give them permission to shoot the exterior shots in uh, their gardens and their front yards and those sorts of things. But to respect the privacy of the actual residents, uh, all of the interior shots in people's houses are shot on a uh, film set in a film studio. So you actually can visit the real life uh, Ramsey Street and uh, see all of those iconic scenes uh, for yourself in Melbourne uh, if, you're a, if you're a fan of the show. Uh, so, the first episode was broadcast on the 18th of March, 1985. The reviews were pretty favourable, however, it underperformed in the Sydney market, as we said, and it only lasted until July of 1985, when Seven announced that it was cancelling the show, but pretty much immediately, it was bought by Network 10. Uh, it began screening the series in January 1986. It was then bought by the BBC to be taken overseas. And as we've seen, it just blossomed from there. Uh, in 1988, Neighbours became the only TV show to have its entire cast flown over to the UK to make an appearance at the Royal Variety performance in front of the Queen. Neighbours has since become the longest running drama series in Australian TV and the seventh longest running serial drama still on air in the world. It celebrated its 20th anniversary in 2005, and over 20 former cast members returned for a special episode, which saw the characters sitting down to watch a documentary about Ramsey Street and its residents. And at the Logie Awards ceremony that year, it was inducted into the Logie Hall of Fame. The show has since undergone revamps. You'll see if you if you do decide to go back and binge all eight and a half thousand episodes of Neighbours, if you've got that kind of time, um, you will see that it changes a lot throughout time. Not only do characters come and go, um, our shows like Neighbours and Home and Away, of course, are renowned as being a, a bit of a launch pad for the careers of actors. They'll start out on, on a show like Neighbours or Home and Away and leave when they um, when they get a role somewhere else. We've seen plenty do that, include the, including the likes of, um, you know, Margot Robbie, Guy Pearce, that sort of thing. Um, 2007 uh, saw a major revamp. Uh, the show was switched to recording in HDTV. It included, uh, to celebrate that, the introduction of a new family and the departure of several existing characters. Um, so it's gone, undergone a lot of changes, and you'll see that if you do go back and look at uh, the original episode, which we'll talk about now. Uh, there's not a whole lot about it, but you can find it. Uh, I'm not going to watch the whole thing just to tell you uh, what happens here on the show. But Neighbours episode, it was just called episode number 1.1. Uh, if you look at it on IMDb, it has a rating of 6 out of 10, which is uh, all right. That's not too bad. Um, of course, you can you can check it out. Uh, I believe Neighbours uh, on uh, the 10, um, I forget what 10's um, playing service is called, their streaming service, uh, but you can find it there, um, 10 me or something like that. Um, it was directed by Mark Joffe with some um, uncredited extra direction from Andrew Friedman, of course, written by Reg Watson, the creator. It starred the likes of Alan Dale, Stefan Dennis, Peter O'Brien, Antoinette Byron, Dagmar Blahova, uh, Anne Hattie, Vicky Blanche, Darius Perkins, 
and plenty more. Uh, none of the really, really big names that we'd see um, come from Neighbours and Home and Away in later years, but of course it was just the first episode, so uh, that's that's the way it is. It was released in March 1985 here in October 1986 in the UK, um, and it was all produced by Grundy Television Productions here in Australia. Um, it initially struggled to attract the high ratings, uh, after le- which led to its cancellation. But after 10 picked it up, uh, by the early 1990s, Australian audiences, despite decreasing overall, uh, had been hauled back to Neighbours. By the 1990s, it was one of the most popular shows on the air, uh, and it peaked during the 2000s, achieving almost a million viewers uh, in July of 2009. So uh, very, very big, <laughs> uh, very big audiences there. Um, some celebrity guest appearances on Neighbours are also what has made it quite uh, popular. It's featured several guest appearances from celebrities either playing themselves or playing characters. Early cameos included uh, former Skyhooks musician Red Simons, Warwick Kappa, Molly Meldrum, uh, Chris Lowe from the Pet Shop Boys and Clive James. Uh, during the 2000s and 2010s, some uh, some names that you might recognize if you're a little bit younger than that. Uh, the series featured appearances from The Wiggles, Shane Warne, former Spice Girl Emma Bunton, Little Britain's Matt Lucas and David Williams, The Veronicas, wrestler Dave Batista, who you would probably now know from um, Guardians of the Galaxy, Lily Allen, Catherine Kelly-Lang, Andre Rayu, Paula Abdul, and Jamie Lawson. So definitely no small names there um, uh, have made appearances on Neighbours. And lastly, we'll talk about what makes Neighbours perhaps most iconic and uh, something that probably gets stuck in all of our heads, uh, the Neighbours theme tune. The Neighbours theme tune was composed by Tony Hatch. The uh, lyrics were written by his wife, Jackie Trent. Since 1985, there have been eight different versions of the theme tune. It was performed by Barry Crocker until 1992. It's been voted the world's most recognized television theme song. And the lyrics were quoted by John Smith, who was the shadow chancellor in Britain at that time, in a House of Commons debate on government economic policy. So this is no small show. It made a massive splash, not just in Australia, but worldwide. Well, that's we're going to wrap up talking about Neighbours now. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the wreck of the Titanic, which was first uncovered and discovered in 1985. Uh, we'll talk about that coming up after this song break. It's Huey Lewis and the News, uh, and they are singing The Power of Love.
The wonderful song Power of Love by Huey Lewis and the News, of course, made popular by Back to the Future in 1985. What a great film that was. Well, welcome back to Throwback Thursday. You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM, and we're going to be talking about the wreck of the RMS Titanic now. Uh... Of course, the Titanic is not something that we probably thought we'd be talking about on Throwback Thursday, since Tune FM was definitely not around in 1912. Uh, but it was around in 1985 when the wreck was first discovered. The wreck of the Titanic lies at a depth of about 3.8 kilometers under the surface, just south-southeast of the coast of Newfoundland in Canada. It lies in two main pieces, which are about 600 meters apart. Um, the bow is still recognizable. It's got many of its uh, interiors still quite well preserved, actually, despite a bit of deterioration and damage that was sustained when it hit the seafloor. In contrast, though, the stern is completely ruined. There's a debris field around the wreck, which contains hundreds of thousands of items spilled from the ship as it sank. And um, the unfortunately, as well, the bodies of passengers and crew would have also been distributed across the seabed, but of course, um, have been consumed by other organisms and deteriorated. So the Titanic sank in 1912. Um, she collided with an iceberg during her maiden voyage. Numerous expeditions tried using sonar to map the seabed in hope of finding it, but were unsuccessful. But in 1985, the wreck was finally located by a joint French-American expedition led by Jean-Louis Michel of the IFREMER, that's a nice little acronym there, and Robert Ballard of the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution. It's been the focus of intense interest and has been visited by numerous expeditions. Uh, there's been controversial salvage operations to recover thousands of items which have been conserved and put on public display as well. Uh, many schemes have been proposed to try to raise the Titanic, including filling the wreck with ping pong balls, injecting it with 180,000 tons of Vaseline, or using half a million tons of liquid nitrogen to encase it in an iceberg that would float to the surface. However, the wreck is now too fragile to be raised and protected by a UNESCO convention, uh, which dictates that we actually cannot do that. Uh, so there were plenty of proposals in the 1960s and 1970s to try to raise the Titanic or salvage the wreck of the Titanic. Um, in the mid-1960s, a hosiery worker from England named Douglas Woolley devised a plan to find the Titanic and raise the wreck by inflating nylon balloons that would be attached to her hull. And the, uh, the idea was to bring the wreck to uh, Liverpool in England, where the Titanic actually set sail from. Well, well, I believe the Titanic set sail from Southampton, but Liverpool was, I believe, where it was built. Um, you will have to fact, fact check me on that. And uh, the Titanic Salvage Company was established to try to manage the scheme, um, but it collapsed when they found that they could not overcome the problem of how the balloons would be inflated in the first place. Uh, calculations showed that it could take 10 years to generate enough gas to overcome the level of water pressure uh, that the Titanic would be under. There were plenty of other expeditions uh, here and there throughout the 1960s and 1970s and throughout the, the early 1980s. But eventually, um, Dean Michael Harris and Jack Grimm, who had failed to find the Titanic, did succeed in producing fairly detailed mapping of the area in which the ship had sunk. It was, and what became clear was that the uh, the area, the position given in Titanic's distress signals, was 
inaccurate, which was which made it very difficult because the search area was already quite large, and now it became even larger because there was potential that they were completely wrong about where they were uh, when they were going down. But despite the failure of that 1977 expedition, a man named Robert Ballard uh, devised some new technologies and a new search strategy to tackle the problem. The new technology was a system called Argo Jason, and it consisted of a remotely controlled deep sea vehicle called Argo, uh, which was equipped with sonar and cameras towed behind a ship with a robot called Jason tethered to it that could roam the seafloor, taking close-up images and gathering specimens. Uh, the images from the system would be transmitted back to a control room on the towing vessel where they could be assessed immediately. It was designed for scientific purposes and it also had important military applications, but they decided that it was good. It was a good um, tool to be using in the search for the Titanic, which would make everything a whole lot easier rather than trying to map the seabed using sonar, which was proving unfruitful. Um, they, they realized that looking for the wreck itself using sonar was unlikely to be successful and so they decided they would look for the debris field instead using Argo's cameras to look for bits of debris rather than sonar to look for the ship which in in that kind of depth of water is like looking for literally a needle in a haystack. Where sonar can't distinguish man-made debris on the seabed from natural objects so uh, cameras can. Uh, they, they eventually found it 12.48 a.m. was the time on Sunday, the 1st of September, 1985, when pieces of debris began to appear on the screens. One of them was identified as a boiler, identical to those shown in pictures of the Titanic's boilers from 1911. And the following day, the main part of the wreck was found, and Argo sent back the first pictures of Titanic since her sinking 73 years before. The discovery made headlines around the world. There would be subsequent expeditions uh, to the Titanic's wreck between 1986 and all the way up to the present. Uh, most famously, in fact, uh, director James Cameron uh, charted the academic Mstislav Keldysh and the MIRs to make 12 dives to the Titanic using footage in his blockbuster 1997 film of the same name. The discovery of the wreck and a National Geographic documentary of the expedition had inspired him to write the film. Uh, he wrote it in 1987. And um, he, of course, is quite famous for having uh, done that. There's been lots of survey expeditions since. Um, people have been down there. You can see photos uh, online with um, all of the deteriorating, but uh, still some still quite well-preserved uh, parts of the ship. It's very fascinating to look at, and um, you can you can find out more about it uh, through National Geographic is a good source, and uh, you can find uh, find lots of pictures there as well. Uh, we're going to come back in a short moment. We're going to be talking about uh, the Live Aid concerts, which took place in 1985. Uh, I'm sure that you'll be aware of those if you're a fan of Queen or other such uh, famous musicians from the 80s. We'll be right back. After another song from 1985, it is Simple Minds with Don't You, another one from a movie, this one from The Breakfast Club.
thoughts and doubts Giving me everything 